The Exchange Podcast is brought to you in part by your university system, including Granite State College, Keene State College, Plymouth State University, and the University of New Hampshire. Imagine what you can accomplish here. From New Hampshire Public Radio, I'm Laura Canoy, and this is The Exchange. is Pride Month, and after virtual Pride celebrations last year, some events are being held in person this year across New Hampshire, New England, and the country. Yet at the same time, advocacy groups say 33 states have introduced more than 100 bills that aim to curb the rights of transgender people, calling 2021 a record-breaking year for such legislation. Today in The Exchange, we explore how Granite Staters are recognizing Pride Month here in New Hampshire, and listeners, we always like to hear from you. How are you reflecting upon Pride Month this year? What does it mean to you? Our email is exchange at nhpr.org. Once again, exchange at nhpr.org. And our phone number is 800-892-6477. We're talking with Matt Mushian. He's the founder of Rural Outright, which organizes rural pride. And Matt, a big welcome back. Thanks for being here. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Well, and also with us is Chloe Lacasse. She's founder of The Making of Self, an educational consultant and a trans filmmaker, activist and organizer. And Chloe, a welcome back to you too. Thank you very much for being with us. Oh my God, thank you for asking me. Um, It's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, as Pride Month 2021 gets underway, here we are emerging from a pandemic. Uh, It seems amazing to even say that. Uh, Meanwhile, we have rising political discord. We have a society awash in misinformation. Uh, It's just been a crazy 15 months. Both of you don't need me to tell you that. Chloe, to you first, how are you feeling about pride celebrations at this point in time in America? I'm really hopeful and excited. Um, You know, it's New England, it's June, it's really hot. um, And um, you start to see a lot of your friends out on the social media, you know, doing their thing and talking about different things they're going to do. So it's really, really exciting. You know, this time last year, we were in full lockdown, um, not knowing what the, you know, not just what Pride Month was going to look like, but what the rest of the year was going to look like. So um, it's really, really been a quite literally a breath of fresh air. Wow. And last year also, Chloe, you know, Uh, We had the death of George Floyd, um, you know, massive protests against racial injustice and the killing of black people by police. That was in late May. And then Pride Month was supposed to kick off the 1st of June. It just didn't feel right. It felt very, very sober. How are you sort of feeling about all that, Chloe, right now? Right now, I mean, you know, there's been, you know, again, to use the word, there's been some hope. Um, You know, I, I think a lot of folks over the last few years, we use the word intersectionality. And I think um, last summer, I think we saw that in action. We saw a lot of folks coming together, um, you know, both around the, um, the, the BIPOC community um, with, with the murder of George Floyd as well. It's just getting out there and showing up and really raising our voices in concert um, with black and brown voices. And I think it's so, so important for, you know, the LGBTQ community, um, as well as the BLM community, um, and, uh, you know, the, the Asian American community, um, the AAPI. Um, and I think it's just, we all are standing together arm in arm. And I think more now than ever, I think what the pandemic and what 2020 did was really refocus us, um, all in one direction. And that is forward. I think, um, so much of our, 
um, individual histories had really kind of merged, I think, last year. Um, and I think uh, we're, we're stronger now for it. Well, and just for some listeners who might not be 100% sure on those acronyms, Chloe, can you just spell those out for us? BIPOC and LGBTQ. Um, it's a, a it's, I'm, I'm, goodness gracious, uh, B-I- now you, you caught you caught me off guard there. Black, um, Indigenous, people of color, and, I think and is people what, of color. Yeah, yes, to it make is, sure yes, people right. know that. My sure. my apologies. Um, and the Asian American um, Pacific Islanders is the AAPI. Yeah, and LGBTQ is. Go ahead, Chloe. A lesbian, um, bisexual, gay, transgender, and Q is queer. Um, IA is intersex and a, uh, asexual or agender. <laughs> Well, Matt, so let's bring you in again. You know, it's been just a wild uh, 15, 16 months pandemic, political dysfunction, you know, violence, uh, misinformation. I mean, how are you feeling about Pride Month at this moment? Yeah, um, I to kind of bounce off what Chloe said, I'm definitely feeling hopeful, um, but for a few reasons. I, you know, the first one is after the past year where we've all kind of been in our own our, our own places staying at home it's kind of like a coming out again like we're all coming out to, to come to pride and as chloe said to see our friends who for many of us we haven't seen maybe since 2019 so uh i'm i'm definitely feeling hopeful but you know also as i go through pride this year um i'm just trying to remain cognizant of the, you know the conversations that happened last year and that wasn't just a one-time thing it wasn't just summer 2020 um, that's something that we need to continue to talk about and those are conversations we need to continue to bring to uh, all facets of our life and um but you know when i think about pride this year i i love seeing the the events that are popping up there was kind of some silence for a bit and then it seemed like all of the organizations started announcing their pride uh, around the same time so it's been a time of excitement and a time of hope um and i'm just i'm glad that we're we're finding a way to kind of safely come out again and reconnect and rebuild those connections because um, for, for so many folks, but especially LGBTQ plus folks, fostering those connections is an important part of surviving and, and thriving. So uh, I'm happy that it's June. I'm happy it's Pride. The sun's out and uh, rainbow flags are flying. Yeah. And, you know, I don't mind the hot weather, actually. So that's OK with me. What did Pride look like last June, Matt? I know you and I talked back then when we were, as Chloe reminded us, you know, in the throes of a pandemic. Yeah, um, Pride for us, it was entirely virtual last year. So um, we had spent some time kind of sitting on what we were going to do. And then we came up with this virtual format uh, to present kind of like Looking back, I think of it as like a variety show. It was like a three hour uh, party where we did lots of different things and it was really fun. Um, but that was a great learning experience. We took a lot away from that last year. Um, so in many ways, um, while it was challenging, I'm, I'm thankful that we got to go through that because it, uh, it taught us a lot. Wow, what did you learn? That's interesting. Um, well, mostly I think also to kind of connect to our conversation last year is we learned like the power of making things more accessible. And though the virtual format kind of threw its own, uh, its own roadblocks and its own kind of obstacles to get over, uh, we ended up having more people from different parts of the state be able to join us. And, you know, traditionally, I think a lot of things we would host like panel discussions and stuff like that, we would think to bring people together, do it in person. But now we realize that 
we have the power to do those things in a virtual space and welcome more people to do it. So I hope that that's something we can kind of continue moving forward. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that too, Chloe. One thing that did come out, as Matt said last year, is that um, we heard from people who said, you know, pride events are more accessible to me. I have more, I have, I don't yeah. have good transportation. I have health issues. And we heard from people too, Chloe, who said, I haven't come out to my family yet. I can't go to a pride parade in downtown Manchester. What did you notice about sort of the that aspect of events being remote last year, Chloe? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I always refer to uh, Zoom Zoom as my cat when they run around the house, but, and here we are <laughs> on a platform. Uh, here we are on this uh, incredible platform with others, you know, just um, sharing and caring um, from great distances. As you know, obviously New Hampshire is a very rural state. Um, and you're right, there are many, many folks who are on the cusp, they're still in the closet for one reason or another, they're unable to um, come out or just not ready. Um, and I think, yeah, I think having it, um, things digitally, is just, I think, yeah, it's a new frontier here having sort of a, um, you know, combination of live and, you know, digital events where, you know, folks who, who otherwise wouldn't participate really now have that access. And, um, you know, with, with captioning like that um, as well, you know, you can have folks from, um, uh, folks who have, you know, hard of hearing, uh, you know, can, can um, you know, join in as well. And I think it's really, it's really important that we have as many folks participating, you know, and um, as, as possible. It's just the, the more voices, the better um, the community and stronger the community becomes. I want to remind our listeners that we are talking about Pride Month today on The Exchange, what it looks like in 2021. And let's hear from you. What questions do you have about Pride? And how are you reflecting on it this year in particular? Let us know by email to exchange at nhpr.org. Once again, exchange at nhpr.org. Use Facebook or call 800-892-6477. Again, 800-892-6477. So here's an email from Erica who says, Manchester will be holding Queen City Pride on June 19th from noon to 6 p.m. It will be the largest Pride event in New Hampshire and Erica says will be held in person at Arms Park. Erica, thank you for writing. And uh, Chloe, how about you? You're in Concord. Events in person, virtual, combination. What's what's happening? Thanks, for Erica. Um, yeah, I will be down in Manchester. Um, I'm sure a lot of uh, a lot of us will. Concord uh, had scheduled a um, digital, um, you know, virtual pride. Um, unfortunately, some technical difficulties uh, kind of precluded that. So um, they're looking forward to 2022. Um, and also over in Portsmouth, there'll be outright pride. Um, for those of, who, uh, those of us who have been there, it, it's historically a pride parade followed by a big gathering in Strawberry Bank. So it's gonna be a little bit different year. It's gonna be a ticketed event, maximum guests of 500. Um, and so and it's gonna be, um, as always, youth oriented, which is wonderful. Um, so that'll be over there in Portsmouth later um, in June. Oh, so a live in-person event, Chloe, but yeah, ticketed so to limit the numbers. So ticketed, exactly, exactly. Interesting. Any um, in-person events for you, Matt, or are you staying digital in, uh, in rural pride? So we decided to kind of embrace what has been uh, referred to as the hybrid model this past year. And we're doing right. a little bit of both. Um, we wanted to do some small, uh, socially distant kind of safe in, uh, events to to start the process of bringing people back together, but in a safe way. Um, and we paired that with some, some virtual events. So um, 
we have a whole week through June 16th through 19th that's going to be uh, where we're celebrating and recognizing pride in our communities. And uh, we're starting with a in-person flag raising on the 16th. And then we have a series of virtual events and we're uh, ending the week on the 19th with, a, with an in-person pride picnic, which is pretty informal considering if any of you listeners have been to uh, rural pride in the past, it's usually like a, a pretty big festival, kind of like a, a farmer's market type feel. But this year we're going a little bit smaller. We have a smaller number of vendors. Um, we're kind of relying on the, the picnic model where people will bring their own refreshments and stuff. But again, we just wanted to offer space for the community to come together and connect. And um, after the past year, I think that that's really important. So I'm glad that we were able to kind of figure something out. You know, we've been talking about... Um... Concord, Manchester, Portsmouth. We're going to talk to the mayor of Nashua in a little bit. Matt, how is rural pride different than pride in the cities, if at all? Um, you know, it's it's a great story. We When we first started Rural Outright a few years ago, one of the first things we did uh, that summer is we went to all the prides. It was the first year that Pride Concord had their festival. Um, so we went there. We went to Seacoast Pride. We, we traveled the state and Every time we would come back, there was someone who would be like, why do we have to go so far to go to Pride? Um, why can't we have our own? So we did. We later that year came together and figured out how we would present our own Pride. And, you know, our Pride is definitely inspired. And um, we take a lot of inspiration from the other Pride of the state. But I think what's different from ours is that, um, you know, we, we we're just kind of bringing in a different audience. Uh, on the western part of the state, on the Vermont border, it's a little bit more rural. People have a further drive to get to places like Concord or uh, or the seacoast. And for many folks, transportation is a big issue. Uh, I know folks who live in towns and have a hard time just getting to Claremont. So it's about meeting people where they're at. And through our partnership with um, the advocacy group in Windsor, Vermont, we've kind of been able to expand that and reach some more towns. And this cool thing has happened by starting Rural Pride, where there's all these other kind of rural small town prides that are popping up in our area. So, um, and I think that's so important. That's so great because at the at its core, what we try to do with Rural Pride is just um, send a message to LGBTQ plus folks, particularly youth, that their community sees them and they have a place here and we value them and uh, we celebrate them. and that's an important message in all communities. So I'm glad to see that Rural Pride can kind of be that beacon that so many other prides were to us for, for more small town prides. All right, well, we got that email from Erica in Manchester. Let's go to Ruth in Canterbury, who's calling in. Hi, Ruth, you're on The Exchange, welcome. Good morning, Laura, and thanks morning. for taking my call. I just wanted to reflect a little bit on years of pride celebrations and also um, how proud I am to be a lesbian in New Hampshire, where we were the first in the nation to get marriage equality legislatively rather than through the judiciary, um, and have been really active in, in moving rights forward. And I have memories of marching down Main Street in Concord with friends back in the 90s with folks wearing paper bags over their heads with eye holes cut out because they were so afraid of being identified. Um, and I'm sure you have lots of memories of interviews over the last 25 years of your incredible career with the exchange. Um, so thanks for that. 
and thanks for covering Pride. Um, it's really important and really important for younger folks to understand and appreciate the history that's gotten us to today. So thanks. Well, Ruth, I'm so glad you called. And what a powerful image, people marching down the street with, um, you know, paper bags over their heads and eye holes cut out. And I'm glad, both of you, that she raised the history because I did want to ask you about that. So, Chloe, to you first, you know, uh, Pride Month um, started in June 1969 with the Stonewall Riots. Police raided a bar for gay men in New York City. Uh, it got pretty ugly. Um, you know, people can go online and look at the old videos if they want. Chloe, how has this evolved from a riot to what Ruth describes, you know, people marching down the street with paper bags on their heads because they're afraid to be seen, to what we see today, street parties, parades, you know, I was watching something this morning that said rainbow glitter everywhere. So what's what's that evolution, Chloe? Um, it, it's quite the arc, isn't it? Um, you know, like so, so many things, um, you know, capitalism is funny in that, you know, it seems to attach itself to everything and monetizes a lot of things. So, you know, um, you know, from from very, very um, uh, humble beginnings, here we are where, you know, we have every corporation under the sun putting their rainbow flag on things. and. As awesome as that is, and as, as affirming as that is, as a transgender woman, and as somebody part of the LGBT community, um, it is a bit much at times. Um, I think a lot of my um, journey, and certainly in the early days, you know, um, I didn't have a paper bag over my head, but I was incognito as much as I could, um, challenging the boundaries of the binary and pushing outward um, from the position of those lanes as a, as a raised as a boy um, and just having those rules of the road of what you can and cannot do, more importantly, what you cannot do and really pushing that femininity boundary and the color. And I always equate it to the rainbow flag of just the color that I did not have in my life. And so that for so many folks, um, I think for certainly for older generations, um, you know, I'm, I'm coming up on 50 really quickly here. And so for, for folks, who were born in the in the 70s, you know, and um, did, the words didn't exist for, for trans people. I mean, the language wasn't there um, and I came out much later in life. Um, so that, that evolution for folks to get out and be present, whether they had a bag on their head, whether they were in full regalia in drag, um, however they were to show up, they were able to show up. These events allowed people to show up and be affirmed in their bodies, in their space and um, not be turned away because they were wearing something that was, you know, oh, that's, that's no good or acting in a way that was inappropriate. Everything was appropriate. And I think, you know, that is still true today um, to go to Boston Pride. It's a massive, massive, it's a carnival atmosphere. It's incredible. Um, and so, you know, I think we, we kind of take that and we, as a community, I think, and Matt can speak to this um, better than I, is I think, you know, when we're organizing around these things, it's a really, it's a tug, it's a tug, a tug of war. That's like, you know, we want to be, you know, grounded and we want to be in the roots. Um, but, you know, so much of the energy and money comes from above, you know, from these corporations when we're looking for funding and raising money for these events. So it's kind of a, it's a, I don't know, a necessary evil in so many ways. I don't, you know, um, that we, you know, have, moved forward, but we, you know, we have to move forward in on our own terms, ultimately, if we're, as long as we're doing that, as long as we're the ones leading the way, 
I think it's quite okay. And I, I'm so excited for, for younger folks. Um, you know, everybody's younger than me at this point um, when I'm in a room. So it's always great to see parents who embrace their children and are able to, they don't have to do the, the secrecy. They have that affirming support and um, it brings a tear to my eye and it really warms my heart that you see families out at Pride together celebrating, you know, their children for who they are. It's awesome. Wow. So I want to ask you, Matt, about the history as well um, and how it evolved again from, you know, uh, a riot to what Chloe said, you know, that those huge celebrations that you see, that sort of carnival-like atmosphere, rainbow glitter everywhere. But boy, this commercialization aspect is really interesting too. We'll go there in a second, but go ahead, Matt. How much do you think younger generations understand, appreciate the, the struggle around the origins of Pride Month? Thank you so much. Um, yeah, you know, Pride is an interesting time because Pride, as you said, it started as a as a protest. Uh, it started as a riot at Stonewall. It started as a protest that was led by a Black transgender woman. And ultimately, you know, that fundamentally changed um, LGBT, LGBTQ plus activism, and it really catalyzed the things we do. But one thing I'm thinking about a lot this year, too, is... Um, you know, 40 years ago on June 5th was the first uh, case of AIDS being identified in America. And when we think about Pride too, one thing we have to remember is um, for a whole generation of queer people, Pride was how they got the United States government to, to, to take care of this and to challenge this. You know, for a while, people saw the AIDS epidemic as that's not going to, you know, that won't be too bad. There's not that many queer people. So what queer people had to do is come out and take to the streets and be seen and they had to be radical so that things would things would be taken care of and things could get done so you know when i think about when i think about pride i think about all those things and when i think about youth today and the importance of knowing queer history um i i try to bring that to the pride events that i organize and part of you know my way of doing that is this year uh, we're hosting something called a pride roots rally and it's all about connecting to the roots of pride and recognizing and learning about the origins and the originators of pride and why we celebrate this. And, um, you know, as Chloe uh, talked about, as pride's evolved, it's become more, uh, more commercialized and, mainstream, you know, I yeah. Could, yeah, mainstream. I could have a whole conversation about that. You know, I think there's, I think there's, good aspects to that and there's also some uh, negative aspects to that but I think you know for me when I'm talking about pride thinking about pride and I'm engaging at pride with other folks I try to remember and honor the history of how we got here because um, I quite frankly would not be able to organize world pride in uh, Claremont New Hampshire if it wasn't for uh, the pioneers the people whose shoulders I stand on and uh, I'm just uh, eternally uh, grateful and always learning more about queer elders. And I hope that other people who are interested in learning more about pride will also take the time to do so because um, there's a lot of a lot of really important things that you can learn. Well, a little bit, Matt, you caught my interest there. You know, I'm hearing some sort of mixed feelings about the commercialization. And um, boy, I was looking online yesterday. I mean, beyond the standard T-shirt, you know, with the pride rainbow. There's a whole line of sneakers from Nike. You can get rainbow nail polish. You know, uh, on Wall Street, there's a mutual fund made up of companies whose goals align with the LGBT community, which 
they noted in this one story is doing better than the S&P 500. I mean, how do you view then, Matt, this whole corporate embrace uh, that we're seeing? Yeah, it's definitely a little uncomfortable at times. Um, I saw a thing the other day where a company shared a thing and their way of celebrating pride was to like highlight all the LGBTQ plus employees. And I, you know, to put it bluntly, it just was kind of like, look, queer people work here too. Um, and, you know, that's, that's all well and cool, but I think the, the important work happens outside of June, um, you know, when there are, when there are bad pieces of legislation presented that explicitly target queer folks and we have corporations coming out and taking a stance against that, uh, where we know states are banning trans kids from participating in sports and a corporation says we're not coming to play here anymore or we're not building our stuff there, that's the allyship I want to see. I don't want to see your logo change in June. Um, that's all well and cool, but it's, you know, once July 1st comes back on, you're switching it back to the other one. So, you know, it's a, it's a complicated question. As someone who owns some pride gear, um, it's something that I grapple with every year. Um, there's something that came out this year that I wanted to get. Um, and, you know, I'm worthy and I'm deserving to have joy in things I, I like to do. So I'll treat myself to it. But that's not without being cognizant of, you know, the fact that people, frankly, are trying to profit off of queer existence. Um, but we got to make sure that, like I said, during the other 11 months of the year, they're, they're doing the work then too. Wow, a lot of thoughts there. And uh, we have to take a very quick break, but there's so much more to talk about, including coming up, the mayor of Nashua will talk about what Pride Month will look like in his city. All that's coming up, plus keep your emails and calls coming in. Our email address is exchange at nhpr.org. And our phone number is 800-892-6477. Stay with us. This is The Exchange on NHPR. This is The Exchange. I'm Laura Kanoy. Today, what Pride Month, the 2021 version, looks like here in New Hampshire. We're talking with LGBTQ Granite Staters about how they're reflecting on Pride Month this year. And we've been hearing from you. How are you celebrating or reflecting or observing? What does Pride mean to you? What questions do you have about it? Send us an email. It's exchange at nhpr.org. Once again, exchange at nhpr.org or call 800 892 Six four seven seven. We're talking with Matt Mushian, founder of Rural Outright, which organizes rural pride. Also with us, Chloe Lacasse, founder of The Making of Self, a consultant. She's also a trans filmmaker, activist, and organizer. And both of you, right back to our listeners. Linz is calling from Dover. Hi, Linz. You're on the exchange. Thanks for being with us. Hey, Laura. It seems like a very short three years ago since I was on the exchange talking about non-discrimination stuff. So happy to be here. Um, so yeah, I'm a non-binary person living in Dover now, and I worked with Chloe and Matt and so many others as the campaign manager of the efforts that updated our state's non-discrimination laws to include trans people in 2018. And as someone who worked so hard on non-discrimination day in and day out, I was really furious to hear Governor Sununu say recently that a discriminatory measure, HB 544, that would ban discussions of racism and sexism in public 
um, funded programs. Um, he says that that law will, that's now in our state budget would strengthen our non-discrimination laws. And I want everyone to know that that's a completely nonsensical statement and that we still have a really long way to go to eradicate racism. So I wanted to invite everyone listening to a rally in Concord at the State House this Saturday at 4 p.m. against that bill, um, demanding that Sununu veto it. And I want to encourage all Granite Staters to kick off Pride Month there. So that's the divisive concepts um, bill that has had Boy, a lot of attention and a lot of debate. And uh, thank you for calling, Linz. And Chloe, do you want to comment at all on divisive concepts and how it relates to some of the organizing that you do? Yeah, thank you. Um, and a big shout out to Linz. How are you? I love you. Um, Linz is an incredible person. They did so much for um, the community here a few years ago. Um, superhero in my book. Um, but yeah, that being said, there are an incredible number of bills. Um, a few here um, overall, but the divisive or divisive concept bill, um, I mean, that language is so harmful um, for all the work that the LGBT community, um, the black and brown community that we've done in this state over the last decade in particular, um, all the steps forward, this really is like the back door to level that completely. Um, and it is, it, is, it is extremely harmful in and of itself, but um, when we are talking about opening minds, opening hearts, it's education. It is the discussions. It's like Matt said earlier, meeting people where they're at, whether it be a, a, a potential ally, somebody who doesn't understand what does transgender mean? Um, what does being non-binary mean? Um, you know, these things are important to talk about. And if you are a having a chill placed over the entirety of the education system, um, how are teachers and advisors and just people like myself supposed to discuss these topics and not fear some sort of state reprisal? Um, the intent of the 1319 a few years ago, the bill that Lindsay was speaking of that brought transgender non-discrimination to New Hampshire basically said that I as a trans person can you know live my life freely and the state supports me and, and governor sununu signed that bill and he signed it with with you know with some very powerful language and here he is only a few years removed from that kind of just like you know talking turning the other cheek right you know speaking out of the other side of his mouth and it's really really it breaks my heart to see you know all that's going on here but specifically around that there are so many people and groups of people in this state, minorities, that are going to be hurt by this language. You know, the way it was put into the budget is so underhanded, and you know, shame on those lawmakers for that. And hopefully, um, hopefully, the governor hears us, and hopefully, you know, he had, you know, I think sits, sits back and just really, you know, puts that red pen and maybe writes something in the margin to those folks because it, it's deserving. Well, it's uh, controversial, and we did a whole program on it a couple weeks ago, and I know a lot of our listeners are watching that, Bill. I do want to bring in another voice into our conversation. Joining us now is Nashua's Mayor, Jim, Don uh, Jim Donchus, and Mayor Donchus, it's great to have you in the exchange. Thanks for being with us. Well, thank you for having me. So what is Pride Month in general? We'll talk about the 2021 version in a moment, but what does Pride Month in general mean for Nashua? Well, we've been celebrating Pride Month now for a number of years, and of course, we are a welcoming community. We want to make it clear that uh, we are uh, we value every single person, and that um, we include everyone in our community. And 
uh, you know, everyone is valued. So one of the things we do during the year has been the, the pride celebration. Uh, we had a couple, we had some pride parades, but we could not do that last year. Uh, so this year we are doing uh, first, well, a few months ago, it was unclear whether we could actually hold a parade in June. So we're doing a virtual pride event on June 26th. Uh, where community members will be featured in some performances and other uh, events from previous Pride celebrations. And then we are going to do the actual Pride Parade in October. On a, I believe it's October 6th, the first Saturday in October. And the, you know, again, this had to be planned months ago, so we figured that uh, the best thing to do would be to hold the parade because it's been so successful, and then to... Um, uh, but th- but to delay it so that we it would be clear that we could go forward with it. You know, it's interesting what you said, Mayor Donchus, that you and Nashua have been observing Pride for a long time to send a message that we're a welcoming community. Tell me more about that. Um, why is that so important to the overall community's health? Well, because we want, you know, for to have a healthy community, every person needs to be, feel valued and every person needs to understand that they belong. Um, and, you know, and that's the most important value. I mean, that's the, the values that we hold. But, you know, on the economic front, something may be less important than the value front. But uh, the Chamber of Commerce did uh, a review of immigration patterns a few years ago for actually Manchester and Nashua. Uh, and it showed that actually the populations of Nashua, population would ha- of Nashua would have declined were it not for migration from outside the country. So, you know, in terms of just um, making sure that everyone understands that uh, we value them and making sure that everyone is part of the community and just in terms of our overall economic health, it, uh, we, you know, it's important that, um, uh, we celebrate events like Pride. So how hard a decision was that, Mayor Donchus, to go virtual this year? Well, it wasn't, you know, we we discussed it and we decided we, the Pride parades have been very successful. So we wanted to hold the parade, but we, we were afraid that if we tried to do it in June, you know, with the pandemic, that either we'd have to cancel it or that people wouldn't come or whatever. So we decided to uh, do the virtual event uh, in June and then hold the actual parade in, parade in October. So we're actually hoping that because, you know, we're a little bit out of cycle with uh, in October that maybe we'll get more people for the parade, you know, people from all over the region. Yeah, and it's been tricky for people planning public events. I mean, nobody knew probably back in March when you were looking at this what the pandemic would be like Um you know, what the pandemic exactly. would be like here So, you know, June, we didn't so. want to have to cancel the event. So, yeah. uh, so once it was scheduled, like the parade. So that, that's what led to the decision. I mean, we had a similar thing on Memorial Day. We have a Veterans Council, and they run the vet, the Memorial Day parade. And they had to make a decision, you know, in February or March because they needed right. marching bands and all this. And they decided to – that one more time we should uh, not hold a parade. But, you know, maybe if, if – We'd known then, you know, three months ago, what four months ago, what we know today, maybe it would have been possible to go forward last weekend, but or the weekend before last. But, um, you know, that was just the way things were happening at the time.
No, I understand. Nobody's had a, you know, map and compass uh, to guide them on this thing for sure. Um, Mayor Donches, I want to bring our other guests in, Matt Mushian and Chloe Lacasse, and um, ask all of you about pride and policing. As you all know, right before Pride Month last year, George Floyd was killed May 25th, sparking nationwide protests against racial injustice, including violence, as both of you mentioned, against black transgender people. Um, Chloe, to you first, how do these deaths and just the national grief we've seen over police shootings of black Americans in general, how is that affecting this year's Pride celebrations? I think there is a lot more pause and awareness about our relationship with police. Um, you know, the phrase defund the police is a loaded term, um, and a lot of people take that and politically sort of weaponize it. Um, I, I think we need those discussions. Um, we need to have those discussions and just and to loop this back to the divisive concepts language. We, those discussions are threatened if we can't have them. Um, so at Pride, you know, this year is a bit of an amalgam, but you know, when we're, we're up and running and like we're down in Queen City Pride, um, honestly, if an officer is, you know, and a, a, a real, an al actual ally or part of the community, and they want to show up in plain clothes and enjoy the day. Absolutely. Um, I honestly don't think they belong there. Otherwise, granted, I mean, in some cases, there's been so much hate out there, you know, renewed hate these last few years. Um, it's a fine line of, you know, of wanting to know that we're going to be safe, but also needing to make sure that we draw that line um, because there is, or we need to, again, as, as I said at the top of the show, um, we are locked arm in arm with the BLM community. And, you know, we need to follow their lead when um, we have these discussions about policing at Pride. And, um, you know, and I trust, and I trust those leaders to guide us, so. Yeah, Black Lives Matter. So Matt, how about you? There has been a lot of conversation, Chloe's alluding to it, about police presence at Pride events and how many uniformed police officers should be there. What's the root of that discussion, Matt? How do you feel about it? Yeah, um, you know, I think that that conversation really came to to my attention after I think it was uh, New York City Pride um, banned police from from their pride celebrations. And, you know, uh, the, the history of the LGBTQ plus movement and uh, to put it frankly, again, police brutality are intertwined. Um, you know, Stonewall started because of uh, Black people pushing back against uh, violence that they were uh, LGBT, LGBTQ plus people, primarily trans women of color, who are pushing back against um, police violence. And I was recently reading a, a study, and I think somewhere around like 60% of black transgender individuals experience some level of harassment by police officers, if I'm remembering correctly. And, you know, that just goes to show that the issue of police brutality is also a queer issue. And, um, you know, just to echo what Chloe said, that, you know, if an officer wants to show up in their plain clothes and um, be there in solidarity as an ally, that's great. But I think that it's important that we have conversations about police presence at Pride. Um, and I, I'm thankful to see those conversations happening. And, you know, again, like Chloe said, I trust, I trust the leaders of the Black Lives Matter community and I trust um, Black transgender women of color uh, to tell me 
you know, to tell me what they need from me to, to make sure that they feel safe and affirmed and seen in these places. And um, so I'm, I'm there. Uh, I stand with the, I stand with my, my LGBTQ plus siblings. I stand with my, uh, uh, my black siblings. And, you know, I think that these are conversations we got to just continue to keep pushing up. And I'm happy that I'm happy that this is happening this year. Well, so Mary Donchus, you told us a moment ago that um, Pride isn't having in-person events in Nashua this year, but you do have a parade planned in October. Just as mayor of um, New Hampshire's second largest city, what are your thoughts or conversations that you've had around the role of police presence, if any, at Pride events? Well, when we do the parade, uh, we close the streets, you know, so the parade goes from depends on the year but the route always goes down main street and that's part of the uh, appeal of it i mean the way it works well is that you know we have outdoor dining and the parade goes right down the middle and there's a lot of people there and you know it's just a very um, celebratory event but in order to close the street you need the assistance of the police so um you know we uh we we uh, have them there for that purpose, but not really any other purpose. And so I don't think there's been a lot of uh, controversy around that role for the, you know, helping to close the street or direct traffic and the like uh, for the uh, here, at least regarding the police department. Well, stay with us, all three of you, because coming up, I have a lot more questions for you. And we'll take a lot more emails and phone calls at exchange at nhpr.org or your calls. Again, the number 800 8926477 stay with us this is the exchange on NHPR this is the exchange i'm Laura Canoy tomorrow on the exchange kids and covid We'll take your questions about children and COVID-19, from how the virus affects younger people to vaccine development and safety. Join us for that conversation tomorrow morning, live at 9. Today, we're talking about what Pride Month looks like here in New Hampshire this year and how the state's LGBTQ community is reflecting on these events. Exchange listeners, it's been great to hear from you this hour. What questions or stories do you have? How are you observing or thinking about Pride Month this year? Our email is exchange at nhpr.org. Use Facebook or call 800-892-6477. Our guests are Matt Mushian, founder of Rural Outright, Chloe Lacasse, a trans filmmaker, activist, and organizer, and Nashua Mayor Jim Donchus. And uh, all of you, here's an email from Amy that reflects what we were talking about earlier, the commercialization of Pride Month. Amy asks, is there a place to buy rainbow flags that supports a good cause. And Matt, I'm gonna throw that to you because you talked earlier about your sort of mixed feelings about the commercialization of pride. Yeah, um, you know, there. this is a question that we actually, I get a lot in my role at uh, Outright and as a pride organizer. And um, there are a few that I know of, none that unfortunately I can think of off the top of my head right now, um, but there is this, really cool uh, email chain that I subscribe to, which uh, is called the Outboard. And I think it's more Seacoast based, but um, any listeners who maybe have that, I know that they have uh, been selling some pride flags and raising money for a good cause. Um, but 
that's one thing that I I see a lot of people asking about. So I gotta I gotta get better at identifying those places and making it more uh, known to people where they can get their pride flag and support a good cause. Well, and Chloe, I want to ask you a question about. Oh, go ahead. Sure. Down in Nashville, we've got a lot of pride um, uh, hats, uh, you know, t-shirts, flags. So if you need anything, just get in touch, and we can um, we can get it for you. So Amy's asking, you know, because we talked about how, you know, some major corporations are selling pride gear, but also making some some cash off of it. So Mayor Donchus, do the city of Nashua's, does the city of Nashua's gear go to a good cause? Well, what we do is we have a, you know, fund. And so all of the money goes into a fund that is used to support the pride celebrations in the future. So, you know, there's certain costs that are associated with uh, everything and paying sure. performers and other costs that uh, are involved. So we use the proceeds to uh, to continue uh, to enhance the Pride celebration. Oh, okay. Well, there you go, Amy, and thank you for writing in. Again, our email with your questions, comments, experiences is exchange at nhpr.org. And we've got about another 10 minutes to take your call at 800-892-6477. So, Chloe, we have Mayor Donchus with us. Um, President Biden released a a long statement in support also of Pride Month and the LGBTQ community. How important is it, Chloe, to you that elected leaders, you know, from mayors up to presidents, just show up? Uh, Great, great question. Um, As you know, the last four years have been, um, for for many of us, uh, a, a really it was it's been an onslaught attack um passive aggressively aggressively um to hear president biden and kamala harris um our vice president speak and say we have your back is huge um and i mentioned this earlier when governor sununu signed um trans non-discrimination back in 18 it is amazingly powerful to have elected officials stand by us and say we've got you we see you and that type of affirmation is beyond reproach it is uh you know it's it's a starting point i think i uh, i did an interview some time ago and you know it's not a panacea it doesn't solve all the problems we still have the equality act stalled in the senate um a seriously much needed piece of legislation that will unify the country with trans non-discrimination protections and a a whole host of other things for the lgbt community but at least right now we have people out there speaking up on our behalf allies coming to the plate and really really showing up and it's so important and i'm so thankful that you know um president biden has um you know has said as much and there's you know a lot of folks in congress um really working to that end how do you view Chloe the political landscape here in New Hampshire? Um, it's uh, to, to use a word, it's crappy. Um, I think um, you know we have had so much progress. I think this session really has been a um, I don't want to say a blind side. I think after November, when we were assessing you know what many would call the damage, um, you know after the election, you know we we all took uh, you know took a moment of pause and said, hey, you know, this is going to be a really difficult session. We really need our members um, of the House and Senate to show up. And, you know, the folks that have have really done a lot of work. I, you know, um, hats off to uh, Representative Jerry Cannon and others um, who have really, really been on the floor. And I've been out there and just like, hey, you know, we've got we've got to do the right thing. 
Um, but there have been a lot of really, really um, form legislation that's swept this country that have attacked trans kids. It's really horrifying to see trans girls specifically because trans boys aren't part of these athlete bills in any in any size, shape or form. So I really, really, um, you know, with the pandemic and this hybrid of, you know, um, with these house hearings and everything else, it's really been difficult. We've had such, like Matt mentioned earlier, we have tremendous access now with Zoom and Skype and all these, um, you know, digital platforms. Um, but just with the onslaught of bad bills this year has been just, it's kept me up at night. And I know it has a lot of others in the uh, progressive community. You know, Mayor Donchus, I'm curious what you think. You talked earlier about the importance of a healthy community is a welcoming community. Do you see the political landscape broadly here in New Hampshire as as crappy as Chloe does? To use your words, Chloe, go ahead, Mayor Donchus. Well, I think, you know, it depends where you go. Um, certainly, I believe in Nashua, the, the political uh, environment is good and supportive of what Chloe has been talking about. Um, now, elsewhere, that may not be the case. You know, I, uh, which the bill up in Concord that you were discussing earlier, you know, is a sign of that. Um, so, you know, I, I think we just need to uh, build on what we have and hopefully uh, we can, the state can move forward uh, in a way that, um, you know, is, is more supportive as time goes on. Matt, I'd love your thoughts here. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, it's it's been it's been hard. I, the beginning of this year for Roll Out Right, you know, we we almost didn't get to do as much pride planning because it seemed like we were organizing around these really bad pieces of legislation. Um, but you know, I'm really thankful to, as Chloe said, our our representatives who kind of held the line and who 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 stood up for the right thing. Um, but also, what amazes me, and I'm just always so thankful and proud and grateful to be in community with so many great folks um, is just like the resilience of the of the LGBTQ plus community and queer granite staters. Um, when these when these bills were presented, so many folks mobilized and so many folks created email chains and email blasts and were sharing things on Instagram. And you know, even though it was really it was really difficult to see that happen and to know that uh, members of the community were being targeted. One thing that was cool to see happen was the response to it. And then to be able to access the hearings in the way that we did, um, to be able to join on Zoom and to uh, be able to join from wherever you were was really important. And, you know, the fight's not over. We still have, we still have a ways to go. And as, as Lynn said earlier in the show, um, even things like the divisive concept language in uh, Bill 544, that's going to be inserted into the language. Uh, that language is going to be inserted into the budget. That, that stuff matters. And that's kind of, you know, if, that, if that's able to happen, what does that mean for pride in the future? And what does that mean for the future of other legislation that gets presented and how we're able to mobilize around it? All of these things are connected and all of these things are really important. Um, but you know, it was it was really difficult to see that stuff happen. But as I said, um, it's it's great sometimes to be in community with folks who who can respond so quickly and who can, um, like I said earlier, just hold the line and make sure that we're we're protecting trans kids. 
Well, and so this gets to my last question. I'll start with you, Matt. Um, what is making you feel hopeful, especially in terms of looking at, you know, pride observations, celebrations, reflections this month? Go ahead, Matt. Um, what's making me hopeful this year is seeing that, you know, despite the past year with all these just unprecedented challenges, pride continues in New Hampshire. Uh, we have rural pride. Uh, Nashua has stuff going on, Queen City Pride, Seacoast Pride's happening. Uh, I think White Mountains is doing something, and that's amazing. Um, and, you know, the last time we had in Pride gathering was 2019, and there was like seven Pride celebrations that year. And, um, you know, what makes me hopeful is that despite the, the past year, that folks are coming together, and we're, we're keeping on, keeping on. And we're showing that, you know, in New Hampshire, um, Pride's important to us, and we, we recognize our LGBTQ folks, and um, that's something that I just can't wait, I can't wait for, to be able to go to all the Pride celebrations and see my friends who I haven't seen in a while, or, or at least in person. Some of them I've seen right. on Zoom. It's not <laughs> but, the same thing. You know, <laughs> no. <laughs> Chloe, how about you? What's your frame of mind right now, especially around what makes you feel hopeful? Uh, I'm really hopeful, um, you know, I think to follow what Matt said about reconnecting with folks um, in person, um, hugs abound. I'm a huge hugger. So that's, um, you know, been first on my list when I see folks that I haven't seen in some 15 months. Um, you know, further out, I think I have a, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to have hope in some of the darkest moments. And, you know, Let's let's face it. We've seen some dark ones, um, you know, this last year, this last four years. Um, but I think what that has done, the challenges that have been presented, um, have really brought a lot of communities together. And so much of my power as an individual is the people around me and the people I meet, the conversations that I have, and they are always so. Um, trying to find the right word, um, they are inspiring. I think that there are so many folks who are willing to listen. I think if, if nothing else, when we think about, you know, the, the, the corporatizing of, of pride, um, what has happened across the across media in general are there are infinitely more gay actors, you know, gay characters, um, trans characters, and they're done in a very legitimate, thoughtful way, like real people living real lives. They're not the butt of a joke. And I think when we look at that and like that is education, normalizing. When I go out and people interact with me, they go, hey, there's this really funny trans woman that comes into the coffee shop every day. She's hilarious. And that is a positive representation. My lived experience becomes other people's lived experiences. And um, I think love and positivity, I think, is just central to so much of what pride represents. And I think that is huge. And I think um, I think there's a lot to look forward to. Mayor John, just last quick thoughts from you about Pride in Nashua and, and what it means to your city moving forward. Well, it's important. And I wanted to add just on the, the uh, subject of uh, gay characters. We, um, one thing we want to do is celebrate the literature, Pride literature. So we are doing a book club of Angels in America, which is, was an early uh, play by Tony Kushner, two plays together about the AIDS crisis in New York. And it's you know, it's really great literature, uh, really worth reading. And we're having a book club to discuss that on the 17th of June. So there's oh, wow. a way okay. to get to the city website. You can sign up. But yes, uh, literature and 
movies and everything else are also very important. Well, all of you, we have run out of time, but I want to thank everybody for being with us. Mayor Donchus, thank you for your time. Well, thank you. It's Jim Donchus, Mayor of Mashua, uh, Nashua. Matt Mushian, great to have you too. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here with you, and I wish you the best of luck in your next journey. Thank you, Matt. He's the founder of Rural Outright. And Chloe, it's always nice to talk to you, too. Thanks for your time. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Thank you for everything you've done over the last 25 years, and best of luck in the next chapter of your life. This is The Exchange. The views expressed in this program are those of the individuals and not those of NHPR, its board of trustees, or its underwriters. If you liked what you heard, spread the word. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts to help other listeners find us. Thanks.